Open your Bibles up to Jonah chapter 2. Last week we started this series on Jonah. So just to recap chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go to a place called Nineveh. And Jonah said, no thanks. And he took a boat and he started going as far away from Nineveh as he possibly could. And then God sent a storm to rock the boat. And the people on the boat figured out that Jonah is the reason that they're in this mess and this big old storm. So they picked Jonah up and they tossed him into the ocean. Praise God. And that's where we are right now. At the end of chapter 1, we stopped at verse 17. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And this is where we are when we start chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I called for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice, for you threw me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current flowed around me. All your breakers and waves passed over me. So I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The deep flowed around me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I descended to the base of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever, but you have brought up my life from the pit, Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who are followers of worthless idols abandon their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Verse 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And I just take a moment right now to orient my heart in such a way that whatever it is that your word is saying to me today, that I would yield to it completely. I ask, Lord, that you would shape my heart as you do, um, chip away rough edges and all the things in me until I look more and more like what you created me to be. Let my heart be open to receive your word. And my ears open to hear. I pray that it does a work in me as I submit and yield to it. I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, I used to have a 2006 Buick Rendezvous. That thing was a tank, okay? We got it used. I remember we opened up the back of it. There were blood stains, but the price was right, so we didn't ask any questions, right? We just got it, all right? And when we get a car, generally, we drive the car until there's nothing left to drive. Like, it will go, go, go until it won't go no more. And that's how we do things. And so this is the same with the Buick Rendezvous. I had meetings downtown Fort Smith at the Fort Smith Coffee Co. And I drove that thing down. I did the meetings. And I went back out. And I put the key in the ignition. I turned it. Nothing. Not even a sound. 
Like, you know how sometimes cars will at least respect you enough to pretend like it's going to start before it does. And this one, no, nothing, just absolute silence. And so I took an Uber back to my house, and I got on the Internet, and I went to a website called YouTube.com. And let me tell you, I think God for YouTube. YouTube has got me out of a lot of mess in my life, okay? About 65% of the knowledge that I have is from YouTube. Any successful home project I have ever done, it's because of YouTube. Me and YouTube have gotten through a lot of hard times. And it's usually not the nice, professional, well-filmed videos that help me on YouTube. It's a guy named Billy from Malvern, and he doesn't even know how to work a camera, but he turns it on and he said, hey, you got this problem, I got this problem too, let me help you fix it. And he gets under there and he fixes it. And so I typed in Buick Rendezvous won't start and there he was, Billy from Malvern. And he gets on and said, you got a rendezvous, it won't start, well let me show you what to do. And I was like, okay, this is over. me and you, we're right here. And he said, first thing, go in your garage and get a hammer. I was like, okay, I can do that. And then he said, and then you crawl up under that thing and you hit with the hammer, you hit the rendezvous right there and it'll crank up. And I was like, all right. So I got the hammer, right? And I head back to Fort Smith Coffee Co. And I want him to know, like, I'm just here for my car, right? I got the hammer in my hand, but I'm not a threat. And so I crawl up underneath the rendezvous and I take the hammer and I slam it into the rendezvous just exactly where it said. And I get back up and I go in, I put the key in, I crank it and it comes on. And I was like, Billy, I love you, Billy. Thank you so much. You know, I was so happy. It drove. And so what did I do? You think I took it to the shop to get it fixed? No. I just started carrying the hammer around wherever I went. I'd go to Walmart. I'd come out. I'd crawl up under. I'd smack the rendezvous. I'd get back in, and I'd crank it up. Just so you know, that only works about six or seven times, which it did. And then it stopped working. Rest in peace, rendezvous, never to be seen again. Okay. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to know. At some point, somebody had this problem that their rendezvous wouldn't start. And I don't know how many times Billy hit his rendezvous with a hammer, but at one point he hit it in the right spot at the right time and it worked. And I learned from all that he had gone through in that moment. This is what I'm going to tell you. Jonah found himself stuck in a place that he could not get out of. And it would be beneficial for all of us to learn what it is that he did and what he didn't do. That when he was stuck in a pit, God helped him and delivered him out of it. Because at some point in your life, you and I will always at some point find ourselves in a pit. Sometimes we're there because of our own bad decisions. Sometimes we're there just because someone else tossed us in. But one way or another, we all end up there. And what you need to know is what to do when you're there. So today, all these lessons from Jonah in the belly of the fish. And maybe like your stuck spot, maybe your pit that you're in right now doesn't include seaweed wrapped around your head. I hope that it doesn't. But whatever it is, I know that to you, it's very real and it's the place that you're in at the moment. So let's look to scripture to see what happens. The first lesson is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is something that Jonah did not do. 
Lesson number one, be quick to turn to God. All throughout chapter one, Jonah has all these things that happen. But you know one thing that you never see in the first chapter of the book of Jonah? You never see Jonah pray. It never says that Jonah prayed. But at the beginning of chapter 2, the first three words are this. Then Jonah prayed. After all that had happened, after everything that he had gone through, when God said, go to Nineveh, the Bible doesn't say that Jonah prayed then. He's not seeking the Lord here. In fact, he's going the opposite way. The Bible says that he went down to Joppa. Did he pray there? No, he didn't pray. He looked for a ship to escape in. Did he pray about what ship to get on? No, he did not. He bought a one-way ticket to Tarshish. He paid for the ticket, but he didn't pray to God. The Bible says that there was a storm and it blew the ship all over the place. And when the ship was about to come apart and it was going to kill him, did he pray? No. He took a nap, but he didn't pray. At the bottom of the sea, when he's thrown out of the ship and he's in the water, what does the Bible say? Nothing about Jonah praying. God was waiting and waiting and waiting for him to pray. But it's only in the belly of the fish, day gone by, day gone by, day gone by, and finally you get those three words. Then Jonah prayed. It took an awful lot for Jonah to turn to God. My question to you is, if the Bible said, then Jonah prayed, what is your then? Like, what is it that gets you to pray? What does it take for you to get right with God? How long? How many things have to happen in your life before it gets to then I prayed? Let me ask you a question about I think most of y'all know where I stand with this, but when it comes to filling up your tank with gasoline, some of you are very good at this. Some of you are not so good at this. And just as a church family, I want to kind of get to the bottom of it. So we're going to uh, do a little poll here. All right. Created this chart. I need everybody to be honest. Don't lie in church. I'll have the ushers escort you out if you are. We already know the answer. All right. If you look at yourself and you're in group A and you say, oh, I've used a quarter tank of gas. I'm going to have to fill up. Is there anybody in this church that looks at this and says, I'm an A. I would fill up around A or at least think about it. Michael DeRosset? Are you on staff here? Is that true? <laughs> okay. Hey, right. how many people, B, you're getting around half a tank? Like, I'm going to start thinking I'm filling up right now. All right. Here's a big. Who is in group C? Things are trending towards the E. Like, you're like, okay, 
My daddy always told me it costs just as much to keep it full as it does empty. I said, that ain't true. For some reason, that is a lie to me, you know. All right, so A, B, C. Most of y'all are C, but the truth is some of y'all are lying because I know. Some of y'all are in group D. Let me see the group D folks. I know. I've seen you on the side of the road, and now I won't stop to help you because I saw how you voted. Amen. Some of y'all need the Lord to help. We need a deliverance ministry for people in group D. Amen. This is what I know. Listen to me. Sometimes people wait until they are spiritually stranded before they reach out to the Lord. I've seen this happen too many times. Like Jonah, it takes people to, you have to almost get to a catastrophic point in your life. And then Jonah prayed. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 30, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. And I know I've seen people walk through painful experiences. And there are people that I love, that I love, that I love, and I see where they're headed in their life, and they don't seek the Lord. They don't return to God. They don't pray, but they just keep going, and they just keep going. And then something awful happens. Maybe it's when the divorce papers are on the table, and then it's like, then I prayed. Or the pink slip, you lost your job, then I prayed. I've seen people get the DUIs, and then they pray. End up in the emergency room, and then I pray. They're facing just financial ruin and bankruptcy. And then I prayed. Let me tell you, that is not God's heart for you. God does not intend for you to get to the edge of catastrophe and collapse in your life. And then I prayed. The truth is, is that if you live that way, you are missing out on God's best for your life. You're missing out on why he created you and how he designed you. Because the truth is, God often, if we're listening to him, he will lead us in such a way that we avoid the pit altogether. If you think about Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. If Jonah would have responded to the Lord immediately... Would he have been in the bottom of the sea in the belly of the fish? No, he wouldn't. If at any point along the way where he was criticized or he had storms come up or he listened to the people on the boat, if any point he had turned back to God, would he have ended up where he ended up? No, he would not have. God did not have that in store for him. But because he waited and he waited and he waited, he ended up so far away through so many different things, then Jonah prayed. You, let me, let me just encourage you as your pastor this morning. I want you to purpose in your heart, I am going to be sensitive to the voice of God in my life. That I'm going to tune my ear 
to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to me and how he's leading me. I'm going to purpose this. I will not pull out of my driveway in the morning until I pray. I must hear from the Lord. The Bible says in Romans that those who live according to the flesh have their minds. It's set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I'm going to live my life purposed to whenever God speaks to me, I already know my answer to him. God, what is it that you're saying to me? Yes, I'll obey. Yes, I'll do it. And when I get off track, I'm not going to get off track and keep going and going and going and going. As soon as I sense the Holy Spirit drawing me back, I'm going to say, yes, Lord, wherever you lead, I will follow. John 10, 27 says, my sheep, this is Jesus, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so this is what I would tell you. If you are not close to God or you have areas of your life that are disobedient to God, like you know, you know, you know, like even right now, I'm just saying this and something pops into your mind. It's like, I know this part of my life is not lined up with what God wants from me. I just know it. Then I would tell you there, start right there. Start with the big things in your life. If you have areas where you're living outside of God's will, get those under obedience to the Lord right now. Like, don't go another day living outside of the Lord's will. Whatever it is, whatever he shows you, say, yes, Lord, I'm going to change. Because unless you're living in obedience in these big areas of your life, then you don't even care about what he's saying about the very little things. And it's those little things As you listen throughout the day, he makes course corrections in your life. Like, I take a step here. He's like, okay, come back over here. And take a step over here. He's like, no, right here. I'm not listening to those little leadings if I'm ignoring the great big ones. So start with the big things and then purpose every day. I'm not going to leave my home without spending time in his presence. Amen? Number two, every pit has a purpose. You need to know this. Every time you are in a pit, there's a reason. Sometimes that reason is you put yourself there. And this is Jonah's reason. Jonah's in the pit. He's in the belly of the beast because he put himself there. He disobeyed God and he ran opposite of what God was telling him to do and he ends up in a pit. Jonah did everything wrong and ended up in a pit. Joseph, he does everything right, and he ended up in a pit. Sometimes you'll end up in a pit because someone else throws you in it. This is what you have to know. No matter why you're in it, there's a purpose in it with you. There's something that God is teaching you. There's some way that he is shaping you in the middle of the mess. And Jonah, he's down there. He's miserable. He's, this whole uh, chapter 2 is just a prayer of lament. And it's like I'm saying, God, uh, I don't like being in this place. I'm at the end of my rope, but you saved me. But he gets to this one point. It's like all these bad things. But then he says, but you have brought up my life from the pit. 
as he's talking about being at the end of his rope, he discovers, but even in this, you have some purpose. You're bringing me back to life. You have to get this. Listen to me. God will never waste these moments. There's not one moment of your life that God will waste. Never waste a trip to the pit. It's like when my family goes on vacation. Like I, I love to go on trips with them. We take the kids to see to, to go to different cities and things. We go to Washington, D.C. I say, okay, well, we got to, Jessica's like this. We got to go see the White House, and you have to see the Washington Monument. Like, you just have to. You go to New York City. It's like, we got to see the Statue of Liberty. We got to go to Times Square. We got to eat really cheap pizza. Like, this is just part of it. You go to Colorado. It's like, we got to see the mountains and the rivers, and we got to get outside, and we got to go on hikes, and we, we do all the things. What drives me crazy, okay, is when we go on vacation and we get to the hotel and it's like, I just want to stay in the hotel. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, I just want to watch Netflix. No, no, no. We're going to have fun. All of us are going to have the best time of our lives and we're not going to sit in and watch Netflix because I can do that anywhere. I can put you in a closet. You can watch Netflix anywhere you want in the whole wide world. We are here. We are going to be here. We're going to be all here. So from the time we wake up in the morning to the time we go to bed at night, we're out of the hotel room. We're going to take pictures and we're going to see all this stuff and everybody's going to have the time of their life and I command you to. <laughs> like I can't do it, you know. Because why? We are somewhere and we're going to be there for a reason. We're not going to waste a trip. We're not going to just do whatever because we're here. If you go to the pits in life and you miss out on the purpose for it, then all you will walk away with is the pain. Don't miss the fact that God has a purpose in every pit. Even if it's uncomfortable or painful, the Bible is full of scriptures that talk about, yes, you're going to have hard things happen to you in life. Everyone does. No one is immune from this. But in it, I have something for you. 1 Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you? And make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You guys know in James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith does what? Produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That all of my pain, all of the pit, whether I caused it myself or it was brought upon me, it doesn't matter. No matter how uncomfortable and inconvenient it is, it doesn't matter. This is my posture. And listen to me. This is how you have to go into every one of those in life. And it's like this. God, I'm in the middle of it right now. And I don't like this. I'm not enjoying it. And actually, I'm asking you, deliver me from this moment. Because I don't want to be in this pit. Help me, Lord. And don't let me waste this moment. 
What is it that you want to do in me while I'm here? What are you shaping my heart to be? What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? What can I take away from this pain? Amen. That is how you have to go when you face the pits of life. Number three, God hears imperfect prayers. When you read this prayer in Jonah 2, like it sounds really nice. And actually, um, Jonah quotes or partially quotes like tons of scripture throughout this. And on the surface, if you just read it, you're like, this is great. But when you read it in the context of the whole book, right? Like I see chapter 1. I see that Jonah is the reason that he's caught. Like he's the problem here. He's the one that, what, what do I not see in this prayer? Because it actually, when you read it in context, like it's not, not a perfect prayer. There's nothing in there that says, like, God, I'm sorry. Like, I really screwed this up. Like, he didn't use my very common prayer, God, forgive me, I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> I've messed up, like, I've made mistakes. You don't see anything in here where he says, I repent for what I've done. Like, all of that is missing. Actually, what you see when you read it is you see that Maybe even Jonah still doesn't quite get the fact that he's the reason that he's in the mess that he's in. In fact, he's kind of a little bit self-righteous here as you read through this. I mean, he says, while I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Why was he even fainting away? It's his own fault. But I remember the Lord. Those who are followers of worthless idols abandon their faithfulness. Like, they follow worthless idols. Like, he's talking about the people, like, maybe from the ship, uh, people in Nineveh that are worshiping false idols. He's like, those guys, abandon them. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Like, I'm doing good. I'm remembering you. All of this is a little bit Uh, not that self-aware by Jonah and kind of a little self-righteous. And so how does God respond to this prayer? Verse 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. You know what God does? God gives grace anyway. Like God hears Jonah's prayer imperfect as it is, and he gives him grace anyway. God does not need a perfect prayer. If he did, we'd all be in trouble, all of us. It would not be good. Actually, listen, there are two different ditches that people find themselves in. One is like this ditch of unrighteousness, like sinners. They're off doing things they shouldn't be doing, and they're in the ditch. But the other side is this ditch of self-righteousness, where it's like, I'm good. 
I'm not, I don't, I did the right things. I don't need nothing. I've been done wrong. Like you have this almost self-righteous attitude. You know what God does? He can pull you out of either ditch. He can pull you out of either one, and he can put your feet on dry land. And this is what he did for Jonah. And this, honestly, is probably what some of you need right now. Like some sure footing to feel like I'm back on dry land. Because I know when you're in a pit, sometimes it could feel like you're stuck in the muck. Or it's like quicksand and I can't get out. And you're having to call out to the Lord. Maybe it's in your marriages, maybe your family, your finances, your health, whatever the case may be. No matter what ditch you are in, God can pull you out of it. And he can set your feet on a firm foundation. Some of you... You're not hopeless, even though it feels that way. You just need some dry land to stand on. And listen, there is no drier land. There is no firm foundation like the name of Jesus. The Bible says that when we build our lives on Christ... That our foundation is secure. It's rock solid. Some of you, you need to get your feet under you again. It's because you haven't built your life on Christ. Because when you build your life on him, there can be storms, winds, waves, all sorts of things that come your way, but your foundation is secure in Jesus. So my prayer for you this morning, and look at me. If you are stuck today, don't go another day being stuck without returning to the Lord, calling out to him, asking him to pull you out of whatever ditch it is that you're in and to place your feet in somewhere secure in Jesus fortress, our shelter, our strong tower. The name of the Lord is, and the righteous run into it, and they're safe. I'm going to pray for you today. Don't let this day pass you by without calling out to the Lord. Like Jonah, imperfect as it may be, he will always meet a sincere heart.